It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you into the virtual bible study for thursday january 23rd 2014 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. my father greg Gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you good to be with you as well looking forward to our discussion tonight we look forward to hearing from you you can call us toll free 877-381-4567. That's toll-free, 877-381-4567. You can email us questions at collegeview.com. And if you're listening to us live on the program tonight, the chat window to the bottom of your video feed is open, and you can sign in there without any personal information. Uh, sign in there and chat with other listeners from around the world tonight. We look forward to hearing from you on the program as we discuss, uh, well, a sad topic tonight. Yeah, uh, we had a uh Get in here a little closer, Jacob. We had a sorry anniversary yesterday on the 22nd of January. That marked the 41st anniversary of the Supreme Court decision that most people identify with Roe versus Wade. Yes. Legalized abortion throughout the United States. Yes. Uh, and since then, uh, literally millions upon millions of unborn children have been aborted in the United States. And so... Looking back in our records, Jacob, it had been several years since we had talked about the subject of abortion and just felt that it was a worthy topic for us to revisit. All right. And so we want to talk about it tonight, and we'll look forward to hearing from you during that discussion. Uh, Again, call in, email, or use the chat room tonight. Uh, You know, I think we'll have mostly unanimous agreement on this, uh, and so it'll be good for us to be reminded of these principles. But some may disagree, and some in the religious world have disagreed on the subject of abortion. Yeah, yeah. Some have disagreed, but uh, as you said, I think most of our listeners tonight probably unanimously will agree. What I what I hope it will do at, at a minimum, Jacob, is to sort of re-motivate us to take a stand on this issue. You know, mm-hmm. if you stop to think about the uh, 9-11 in 2001, yes. about 3,000 Americans were killed by terrorists that day. We still talk about that. We're we're outraged. We're upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't get past the remembrance of that horrible day, and certainly it was a horrible day and terrible loss of life. Right. That same day, there were way more babies aborted in America than died uh, in those terrorist attacks. Oh, yeah. And yet that's sort of silently forgotten. You know, yeah. we don't pay attention to that. And it goes on every day, day after day. It yeah. goes on and on and on. All right. So we want to hear from you on the program about this. Uh, and historically, since the Roe versus Wade decision, it appears that uh, it has always been uh, the majority have always agreed with that decision or been in favor of that decision in America. Over 50 percent uh, of Americans have always found that to be the favorable decision, the decision that they uh, that they are in favor of. Now, uh, I think so, that may I think the tide may be turning on that. I well, I see a chart here that says maybe not. Okay. But even if even, even so, that shows that uh, there are religious people who are in favor. Of well, there's got to be. That's right. There's got to be for for it to have any. 
of the measure of, of, of uh, acceptance and popularity that it has, there have to be religiously affiliated people uh, who, who go along with it. So uh, we hope that we have some listening tonight who would agree with abortion, not because we think it's the right uh, view, but because we'd like to hear your we'd arguments. We'd like to hear your arguments. Yeah. And we'd like and, you to and, consider and ours And we'd as well. like to persuade you differently. That's right. Yeah. So we'll look forward to hearing from you on the program. Hope you'll stay tuned. All right. Earlier today, we sent out to our update list, as we always try to do on Thursday about noon. We send out an email uh, telling you what's going to be our topic for discussion, giving you some questions, seeking your feedback. We've got a good bit of feedback tonight, yes. Jacob. This is a... Would you agree with me this is a hot-button topic for a lot of uh, – for, for conservative, morally-minded, conservative, morally-minded religious people, it is it, – it's an important subject. It's emotionally charged. I guess yeah. that would be synonymous with hot-button. Yes, it yeah. is. It's something yeah. that people are concerned about. So here's what we sent out to our update list. If you're not on our list, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say add me to the list. We'll do it, and you'll get our updates on Thursday. Here's the questions we asked. Number one, share any statistics that you're aware of which deal with abortion and explain the conclusions you draw from these statistics. Uh, number two, how do you answer the argument that a woman should have the right to choose what happens with her body? And as a follow-up to that, is pro-choice really a fair label for the pro-abortion movement? Number three, what are the logical consequences for a culture that tolerates and even promotes abortion Number four, if you were given the chance to advise a woman who was considering an abortion, what arguments – oh, that's a typo. I said to see if – what arguments would you give from a non-religious perspective? Yeah. I think you can argue against abortion yeah. and not bring religion or the Bible into it at all. Okay. So what arguments would you make? Not religious arguments, but then secondarily, what arguments would you make from the Bible to advise against okay. uh, abortion? Number five – is abortion justified in cases of <clears throat> incest or rape? Yeah. I know even a lot of Christians who waffle on that, yeah. and, and we need to talk about that. And number six, are Christians doing enough to oppose abortion? Yeah. What should Christians do in opposition to abortion? Okay. All right. All right. Well, Chris in Atlanta, has uh, he's chimed in tonight, as you can as well, in email. He says, please forgive typos. I type these responses on a smaller tablet PC, small keyboard plus tiny fingers, which I think mean you should have been large fingers, equals mistakes. He spelled Misspe- that yeah, mistakes yeah. as something you would eat. Yeah, well, uh, uh, Chris, I was using a big uh, keyboard on a regular-sized computer, and I and I made typos, too. So. Yeah, Chris, we're glad that, you, uh, that you've responded tonight. We'll look forward to your, your responses, and we'll, we'll edit out those uh, typos that you may have made. Okay, right. so let's uh, start with Chris's email there, okay. and 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 let's uh, let's let's talk about this first one. Let's let's just share some of the statistics, and maybe some conclusions that you draw from the statistics that are just a, a readily available. I mean, uh, type in a simple search in, in uh, on the internet, and you'll come up with all kinds of statistics about the the numbers and so forth. The statistics that are bought, involved. Chris says there are 1.2 million abortions every year. Of the women having abortions, 47% of them have had one or more previous abortions. The only conclusion I can draw is that we have a lot of murderers and deceased children every year. Breaks my heart. Thank you for that, Chris. Appreciate those that, that, that feedback. I think the number that's that's being reported very widely now is that there have been at least 55 million, perhaps 56 million abortions performed in just in the United States. That would average out to be about 1.2 per year. Okay, and that's every year since. 1973. Mm-hmm. And that's a fraction of the number of abortions that are occurring worldwide. 
Right. Uh, uh, there are places in the world where abortion are even more, sadly, even more prevalent than in the United States. But just in the United States, 55-plus million. I like to contrast that, Jacob, just as a number. I like to contrast that with the number of soldiers who have died fighting in wars mm-hmm. for the United States of America, going all the way back to the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. You go back to the all the way back to the Revolutionary War and every conflict since then, mm-hmm. and there have been a lot of them, of course, yes. some very you know notable ones like World War II, World War III, uh, the ones in our memory, Korea and Vietnam and all of them, even up to the Gulf Wars that have uh, in the Mideast that have occurred recently. You know what the number is for all the, of America's war dead? No. About one and a half million. Wow. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot. But that's, that's counting of, every that's, number. that's counting every war that's ever been fought. Every war. By Americans. Bloody wars. Horrible wars. Terrible. Uh, over 200, almost 250 years, yeah. 200 and some odd years. Uh that's a lot. That's a lot of killing. One and a half million Americans have died. That pales in comparison to the number of abortions that have been committed just in the last forty-one years. Mm. It's, it's almost incredible to think about that. Right. But again, there's not much reporting along those lines. Anthony is behind the controls tonight. Anthony, uh, that's like wiping out a large city every year of inhabitants. Uh, yeah. One point two million. That's 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 a large city. Right. I mean, it's it's really. I think you know, as we I was thinking about this topic tonight, it's like we don't. It kind of just goes on in the background, and we sometimes we just forget that it's going on. But when you really stop and think about it, it's just appalling. It is. Forty-seven uh, percent of the women who have abortions have had one or more previous abortions. There's repeat customers here, uh, and uh, and so that shows uh, maybe some of the uh, motivation. And uh, the, the seriousness of the problem. Thank you, Chris, for your your response tonight. Um, well, I got an email that I didn't get to print off, Jacob, from uh, Patrick in Birmingham, and he gives a website with, uh, and and it's got just tons of of uh, abortion statistics to it. And I won't read all those for sure, but I like his observation. He said, uh, if there's any one conclusion that should that would be glaringly obvious, it is that abortion is anything. But the promised rare occurrence, you know, our politicians have said, I think Bill Clinton was famous for saying abortion should be legal and rare. Yeah. Well, they're anything but rare. They're yes. legal and and they are abundant. They happen constantly. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Patrick. All right. Uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you in the chat room tonight. If you're in signed in there, lots of people signed in. Not so many people talking tonight. And uh, but this may be not one of those subjects that uh, engenders a lot of discussion. But we'll look forward to hearing from you. Tanner is from Pigott, Arkansas. Uh, he hasn't responded to number one, but I think Tanner's uh, in the chat room. Uh, I look forward to hearing from him there. Bob up in Indianapolis, Indiana, has also sent in a website uh, that, that, that gives up. statistics. And I got I printed that off. Uh, pull, if oh. I can find it here real quickly, I'll give you okay. uh, some of those. Here they are. You got them. Okay. This is from the Elliott Institute, a nonprofit organization that studies the effects of abortion on women. Uh, 31% of women having abortions report suffering physical health complications. 10% of women having abortions suffer immediate, potentially life-threatening complications. Women have a 65% higher risk of clinical depression following abortion versus childbirth. 65% of women suffer symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder after abortion. Many women describe their experience as a nightmare, which can hardly be equated with choice. 
60% of women surveyed after abortion responded that, quote, part of me died. And How many, what's the percentage of that? 60%. So there, so there 60, is over 60, over half, or sorry, they did it. There's an emotional it. connection here. Oh, for sure. So get this one. Suicide rates among women who have abortions are six times higher than those who give birth. All right. Uh, he said one other thing from Bob. He says, by the way, several years ago, I met a young woman who had an abortion early in her life. She had since become a Christian and had tremendous guilt and sorrow over that decision to the point of becoming a volunteer counselor with a crisis pregnancy center. She obviously grieved that decision every day. All right. And Randy in Schwartz Creek, Michigan, says, I don't know if there is a statistic for this, but I do know every time a woman has an abortion, a human is murdered. In human history, a pregnant woman has never had anything but a human when she gave birth. My conclusion is, if it is human, and it is, uh, and it is, they have no right to in, uh, to, to, in the to, slot. To take this life. To take this life. Or That's in right. this life. Yeah. And uh, David says, uh, I think most statistics will attest to the abhorrent and monumental loss of life caused by abortion. All right. And I think all of those are right. Uh, the, the, you know, again, I'll, I'll go back to my statistic, Jacob. Only about a, only. Uh, uh, about one and a half million Americans have died in wars over almost 250 years. Almost that many are killed every year by abortion. And it's just, it's just. A staggering number. It's 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 amazing to contemplate. All right, we're going to take let's take a break. When okay. We get back. We'll talk about uh, your next question. How do you answer the argument that a woman should have a right to choose what happens with her body? Is pro-choice really a fair label for the pro-abortion movement? Ooh, you may be uh, getting to something there. Uh, maybe they're pushing it. Uh, maybe they're not. Uh, they're, maybe they're pro-abortion and not just pro-choice. So let us know your thoughts. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. <laughs> Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any definite plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for Him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? Here's some quotes worth pondering. William Barclay said, We see our reflections in other people. If we are cross and irritable and bad-tempered, we will probably find other people equally unpleasant. If we are critical and fault-finding, the chances are that we'll find other people the same. If we are suspicious and distrustful, the likelihood is that others will be so to us. If we wish others to love us, we must first love them. The thing that makes men and rivers crooked is following the path of least resistance. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight talking about abortion. It is a disturbing topic, but we hope you'll stick with us as we talk about it. And maybe if you agree with abortion, think it is okay, uh, we'd like to hear from you. 877 877- 
381-4567. I got a few more statistics I found. I'm just going to sort of summarize what we've talked about so far. More than half of American women obtaining abortions are in their 20s. Women aged 20 to 24 have the highest abortion rate of any age group. Six in 10 American women having an abortion already have a child, and more than three in 10 already have two or more children. Mm -hmm. More than seven in 10 U.S. American women obtaining an abortion report a religious affiliation. I was thinking about that. Seven in 10? Yeah, seven out of 10 who, who have abortions report that they are religiously affiliated, 37% Protestant, 28% Catholic, and 7% other. 25% of the women who get abortions attend religious services at least once a month. Mm. Uh, So I thought that was pretty amazing. Women with family incomes below the federal poverty level account for more than 40% of all abortions. Uh, Most women identify multiple reasons for having an abortion. Three-fourths cite concerns for or responsibility to other individuals, including other children. Three-fourths say they cannot afford a child. Three-fourths say they have a ba- that having a baby would interfere with work, school, or the ability to care for dependents. And half say they do not want to be a single parent or having problems with their husband or partner. All of those sound like pretty self-centered reasons. Yeah. So yeah. that's interesting. All right. We have a phone call. Arthur is on the line. Uh, Arthur, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you don't have to get choked up about it, Arthur, but we are glad you called. There you go. <laughs> uh, I understood today, I uh, heard in, on the news, that there were 329,000 plus of abortions at this, uh, uh, what is it? Oh, Planned Parenthood. Yeah, Planned Parenthood. Yeah, I had it on the tip of my tongue, but swallowed it. Yeah, I heard that too, Arthur. You know, that 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 makes the name of that organization seem like it's a misnomer. That is, they're not planning for parenthood. They're planning to prevent parenthood and by murder. That that in their in, at their, their their organization nationwide, three hundred some thousand per year. Yeah, aborted. So right. so about at least twenty five to thirty percent of the abortions performed in the United States are performed through that organization, okay. which, by the way, unfortunately gets a lot of U.S. tax dollars to support it. All right. Isn't that right, Arthur? Right, exactly. And then you know, they go under the umbrella of you know caring for parents and for the family and and taking that many lives. It's just uh, unspeakable almost. Yeah, it's it's, it's stunning. Uh, Thank you. I just wanted to give you that number. Thanks, Arthur. Appreciate it. We do appreciate you calling, Arthur. Oh, yes, you're welcome. Thank Thank you for listening. Uh, And uh, the number line is open, 877-381-4567. You ask uh, about the the argument that women have a right to choose what happens to her body. Yeah, woman. What about it? Because that's that's the classic old line that we've heard for all these years is that a woman should be in control of her own body. She should be able to do what she wants to do with her own body. Right. And if that means aborting a child, she should be able to do whatever she does. How would you answer that? Well, Chris has sent his answer, and he says, I agree 100% that a woman should have a choice on what happens to her body. She can freely choose whether or not to have relations with another man and choose whether or not to use protection once she decides to have intercourse, her choice ends, and she and her partner are to take responsibility for whatever consequences arise. If she becomes pregnant, then she has the responsibility of her body and her child's life. No pro-choice is not a fair label. Okay, that's on that's the, the, second, the, the part. second part. But, but you know, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what Chris is saying. There, she has she has choice. She she should be able. Uh, to choose what happens with her body, but she's making choices. That's the thing that that's the thing that's being ignored. She made a lot of choices that led to a pregnancy. Right. So yeah, she made choices, 
Now it's not just her body. It's not just her. It's another human being uh, in her womb. And so she can't, she, you know, I should have a right to do what I want to with my body, and I want to shoot you. Well, you know, there's some people that... Well, why wouldn't that argument... Well, well, Anthony, there's some people who physically upset. I mean, there's some people when you're around them, you just sort of don't feel good. Anthony, you know, when you come around, it sort of, yeah, you know, sorry, you know, it sort of makes me feel yucky. And so I just want to, I'm going to, I'm going to blow your brains out because I just don't like looking at you. That seems to be the logic. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't that be? uh, I mean, do you just progress that line of reasoning? I mean, it's it's my body. It's my body and I don't, and and I'm, and I'm annoyed by this other being and I'm going to end that. Yeah. You know. Uh, Randy in Sports Creek, Michigan, says uh, the only rights a human being uh, in a human being's hands is what God has given us. We are created. Uh, God is the creator. So he says uh, that you don't have uh, total control or choice in the matter. And uh, David says, I can't disagree. Okay, that's on the second one. So I think we've got your answers there for uh, the idea that uh, it's it's your body and your choice. All right. Now we ask a follow up to that, Jacob. It, well, let's summarize. You know, you know, this argument, it's a woman's body. She should be able to do what she wants. I, I, I just want to reiterate what we're saying. She's made a lot of choices. And I, I think this is what was being pointed out by Chris's uh, email. She made a lot of choices that led to a pregnancy. Right. Uh, maybe a lot of them were bad choices. But choices have consequences. Yep. And now the choices that she's made have led to the consequence of a pregnancy but now it's not just her body anymore. Yeah. It's a, it's another human being in her womb. And that, that, uh, that argument just fails completely to say it's her body. She should do it. When you, what about the child? What about the body of the child? All right. We need to hurry. You said okay. your next question was, is pro-choice really a fair label for the pro-abortion movement? Um, Chris says, no, pro-choice is not a fair label. It should be called pro-convenience. That is what this issue boils down to. Many women do not want the inconvenience uh, uh, and the responsibility. And that's that. That's some of the statistics that I read there earlier, Jacob. Uh, and I think Chris has nailed it. Uh, women identify multiple reasons for having abortion. Three, four cite concerns for or for or responsibility to other individuals, including children. Three, four say they cannot afford a child. Three, four say they're having a baby would interfere with work, school, or the ability to care for dependents. And half say they don't want to be a single parent or having problems with their husband or partner. Those seem like all self-centered reasons. And so it, Chris says, let's call it pro-convenience. Well, and uh, Randy says that no man or what label they want to wear, pro-choice is being used to soften the word for murder. They do not dare to say they are pro-murder. So Chris says it's just a way to maybe make it sound a little bit more appetizing. Ramona in Texas say pro-choice could also mean pro-life, not pro-abortion. Why is pro that, the point she's making there? I think is a good one. Why is pro-choice always in the life of the baby? You know, we're pro-choice in the life of the baby. Why, if it's pro-choice, why wouldn't one of those viable choices be? I'm going to carry mom. this baby to term. No, I'm going to carry this baby All to right, term. Right. You yeah. know, why could, why wouldn't one of the choices be protect life? Here's an interesting. Uh, this sort of exposes the agenda of the people who are promoting abortion. Sixty-four percent, this is from the Washington Examiner, 64 percent of strongly pro-choice Americans agreed that a patient should wait 24 hours before an abortion and consult with professionals. Now, get that. Sixty-four percent said, well, yeah, they probably should wait 24. That means that 36 percent says 
these people should be able to get an abortion immediately and not have to consult with anybody before they do. 62, these are pro-choice people. 62% support parental notification. I can't believe that. That means that 38% of pro-choice people want a minor child to be able to get an abortion without consulting with their parents. 68% believe doctors who perform abortions should be required to have hospital admitting privileges. That means 32% of pro-choice people think anybody should be able to do it, uh, to perform an abortion, and they don't even have to be qualified or certified to do it. What that tells you is these people want abortions. They don't want choice. They want abortions. If if they were really pro-choice, they'd be all in favor of women getting counseling to understand all of the potential consequences that are that are going to take place. If they were really pro-choice, they'd want the women who are making the choice to be fully informed about everything that's involved. They don't want that. They don't want information. They don't want counseling. They just want abortion. All right. They're pro-death. The right answer is they're, they are pro-death. All right. Um, and uh, David has said, uh, I can't disagree with the term pro-choice. Women are actively choosing murder uh, to murder their, their unborn children, so they're choosing to murder. Uh, those that are pro-choice want to ensure this type of murder doesn't become criminal. Changing the terminology doesn't change the fact that someone still has to make a choice. Of course, nothing changes the fact that it is still murder. I agree. All right. I agree. All right. Um, uh, Patrick in Birmingham said, uh, I do think that a person's rights, you know, we said uh, a woman should have rights over her body. He says, I think that a person's rights over their own body should be preserved, though I find it ironic that this argument seems to be forgotten by abortion proponents when the subject of forced sterilizations and forced abortion comes up, such as what occurs in China. In other words, some of the same people who are in favor of abortion here are very upset that in China, women are being forced in a, uh, to have sterilization procedures and they're being forced to abort their babies. In practice, the asserted right a woman should have over her body is only emphasized if a woman wants an abortion. Aside from that, the obvious rebuttal is that the developing baby inside a mother's womb is not her body. It's another person's body, the body of that baby. When a mother decides to kill her child, she's no longer merely exercising a right over her own body, but de- depriving her baby of its rights over its body. Mm-hmm. I think exactly right. And he also says in the chat room, I truly find it repulsive the links many abortionists go, abortion, abortion advocates will go to in order to dehumanize the unborn baby, especially the current trend of calling a baby in the womb a parasite. It truly sickens my stomach to hear such words. Uh, I would point out that problems with boyfriend, he goes on, problems with boyfriend or husband often include fear of threats. Many women, in fact, do not want to have an abortion but are convinced or coerced into it by their partners who threaten abandonment or physical violence. Yeah, I I don't doubt that's probably exactly right. But that's, again, that's the consequence of a lot of choices, bad choices that have been made leading up to that point. And, Anthony, uh, the terminology that's used is you don't hear baby, you hear fetus or... uh, or uh, yeah, matter or, or, uh, or flesh something, or yeah. yeah but you know and that kind of you know and similarly i guess there have been laws in certain states or bills proposed that what about having to have an ultrasound or something you know they don't want anybody to consider that this is another life they don't want the mother to see the baby in the womb they don't want to use these human you know terms yeah and it is going to look like a human when it is extracted uh, and they don't want to see, to see that for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, where are we on time, Jacob? we got time to uh, uh, go to the next question. We ask, what are the logical consequences of a culture that tolerates and even promotes abortion? Mm-hmm. Um, 
We've got some answers here from our email respondents. Chris uh, in Atlanta says, as we are seeing in our country today, people want the easy way out. We become dependent on others and the government to take care of what we should be responsible for. People want unemployment checks and food stamps instead of working. People want to have casual sex without any consequences. We want to file bankruptcy instead of paying our bills. I could go on, but we are becoming a nation of spoiled children who want no personal responsibility and all the benefits. I think that's right. Randy in Michigan says, The flood in the day of Noah comes to mind. Our Heavenly Father destroyed the world for the wickedness that abounded in it. Next, Sodom and Gomorrah comes to mind. There has not been a nation in, in the history of mankind that practiced what this nation is practicing that was not destroyed because of their wickedness. I pray to our Heavenly Father that this nation will repent before it's too late. It may be too late now. I think Randy is right, and I think that's a scary thought. You know, God has never tolerated uh, uh, nations that that engaged in cruelty of the nature of which is abortion in America. Yeah. Of course, that's not the only moral, morally depraved thing that's going on in our nation. But you know, we just we've got our head in the sand if we think that this nation is going to continue to thrive and God will allow it to prosper. Uh, he never has historically allowed nations that violate his will, uh, and, and especially in such horrible ways as we are, to prosper and continue. And Ramona says it can lead to assisted suicide, et cetera. The value of life goes down. So it does. If, if, a, if a baby's life is not important, maybe some other people's lives aren't important as well. All right, Tanner. You say, where's Tanner in Piggott, Arkansas? Piggott, Arkansas. He says, as to the consequences of tolerating or promoting abortion, Proverbs 6.17 lists hands that shed innocent blood as one of the abominations that the Lord hates. Therefore, how would God judge the individual who commits the acts he hates? Also, Revelation 22.15 teaches that murderers are outside the city of God, demonstrating that they have no relationship with Christ and his blood and would be lost. All right. And uh, David says, I think this is a difficult question. Of course, those that oppose abortion will state that allowing it further degrades the morality of our society. However, if the thing that causes someone to consider an abortion is never addressed, who can definitely state that simply allowing abortion to remain legal is causing a degradation in morality? I believe that because fornication has not only become socially acceptable, but the societal norm, we are seeing the spread of abortion. However, I see no one pushing for a law against fornication. I have to say that I would have to agree with David to some extent there. He's saying, you know, what about the root cause here? Is abortion the cause or the effect of uh, the, the declining morals in our society? Well, it, it's it's sort of a snowball effect, and I would say. Was, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Patrick in Birmingham has sent a quote from Pope, uh, uh, Pope Paul VI, and it's really a quote about birth control, which is a, which is a different subject. However, and I'm not, I'm not going to take it's a longer quote. I'm not going to take time to read all that. But you know, there are some uh, uh, Catholics are opposed to all forms of, of contraception, and that and that quote sort of lays that out. And that's a, a debate for another time. But I think one of the things that needs to be understood by people is that some forms of contraception are abortive. Look it and up. You need to look that up. You need to do your research. Uh, this our topic tonight is not about contraception in general, but it is related to the topic of abortion because several forms of birth control, including birth control pills, uh, have a connection to abortion. They they promote or cause uh, aborted. Uh, what, do they, what do you call it? Uh, instantaneous. That's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, spontaneous. They cause spontaneous abortions. 
Yeah, don't and stick your head in the sand. Look it up. Look it up. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to talk about that tonight on our program, but look that up. Do your research. It's not hard to find on the Internet. Uh, a number of birth control methodologies are abortive. You will find it in the manufacturer's uh, explanation of how their product works. Right. Uh, and so you need to be aware of that. Uh, Patrick says in Planned Parenthood, they, they, they refer to the baby as POC, which is an acronym meaning product of conception. They want their workers never to call it a baby because calling it a baby might dissuade women from going through That's an interesting an point, abortion. Patrick. That's an interesting point, and it further proves that, that they're not really pro-choice, they're pro-death. They don't want people to be informed. They want them to get an abortion. And Patrick goes to agree with you that uh, some uh, forms of the pill, uh, the shots, and uh, the inner uterine devices can be abortification. Abortifacient. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's take a break, get this week's bullet point, and when we get back, uh, we will continue to talk, talk with you. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. Virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Here's an interesting one for you. A group calling itself the Religious Coalition for Abortion Rights ran a large ad in the New York Times. This organization claims to represent American Baptist churches, the Episcopal Church, the United Presbyterian Church, the United Methodist Church, and others. Their ad expressed concerns about a possible constitutional amendment banning abortions. They said, quote, We believe abortion is an individual decision and therefore your God-given right. While we support a woman's choice to become a mother, we also support her choice not to. But most importantly, we feel no religious group has the right to impose their belief on you, unquote. We agree that no group should be allowed to impose or force their religious views on anyone else. We certainly don't want Catholics or Mormons or Muslims telling us how we must worship God. Our law guarantees religious freedom, and we're grateful for it, but that's not really the issue, and these folks know it. The real question here is whether individual citizens have a right to lobby for laws that reflect their moral values. To have a law against abortion is not any different than having a law against murder or rape or robbery. These are simple questions of right versus wrong, and the laws of the land reflect that. The bottom line is that God has ruled that abortion is murder. That settles it. It's not a matter of personal opinion. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, my name is Kent Bumgardner. My family and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Please join us. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We welcome you back to the program tonight. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're listening to us tonight and you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we would encourage you to come and worship with us anytime. Come out, find out what we're all about, the uh, College of Church of Christ in Columbia. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. You can find out information. You know, we, we might ought to uh, uh, remind people we don't do it very often. College View is spelled funny. It is. Who, well, whoever originally came up with that name, I guess, was kind of trying to be uh, sort of uh, in vogue or yeah, something, you right. know, sort of a college V-U-E. Like, uh, so it's Boo. It's College View instead of College View. But okay. if we say College View, we're just across from the community college 
in Columbia, Tennessee, so we can see the college from here. We're College View. And it's easier to find us on the Internet at thevirtualbiblestudy.com because that's all spelled like it's supposed to be spelled. Yeah. And uh, you can find out more information about how where we meet and our times of assembly if you'll go to thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you have any questions about what we believe, what we practice, give us a call. Send us an email anytime. We'd love to hear from you. You're talking about abortion on the program tonight. And we want yesterday to was the the twenty second of January is the anniversary of the Roe versus Wade 41st decision. First anniversary, forty one years. Yeah, and uh, we need to get to some of the Bible arguments against it. We're going to get to those now as we uh, look at uh, some reasons that we would tell a woman who is considering abortion that she ought to think twice. First off, from a non religious perspective. Yeah. Okay. L- let's say uh, that now we're assuming that we're in a unanimous agreement. I think. Uh, we haven't seen any indication in the chat room or by any of the feedback we're getting that anybody who's listening or participating tonight in our discussion and study uh, is in favor of abortion. So we're assuming that everybody agrees that it's wrong and should be stopped. So let's say that you get into a situation where you have a chance to advise a woman who was considering an abortion. What arguments would you give? First of all, from just a non-religious perspective, you, you, you don't even have to be a religious person, Jacob. To realize that this is the wrong thing to do. All right. And I think you could make a, an appealing case uh, just on the basis of other considerations, not religious considerations, other considerations. All right. Uh, maybe uh, I, th- I think we may have uh, the Tim in the chat room may be an atheist. And I'd like to hear what Tim has to say if, if, if this is the same Tim, uh, what his his stance in is on abortion. Just give us his his point of view. Chris in Atlanta says, uh, from a non-religious perspective, he'd say there's a person living inside of you. How can you end that life just in the name of convenience? I hear a counter-argument that the fetus cannot survive outside the womb, therefore it is not really alive. I have two responses. One, that is, while in space, astronauts cannot live outside of their suits or space station either. Does that mean they are not really alive? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Secondly, if we found a single-celled organism on Mars, every news agency on Earth would proclaim we found life on Mars. Is not that fetus much more alive than a single-celled organism? Very interesting. Good, good thinking, good Chris. Good thinking, Chris. And um, uh, let's go on. You know, furthermore, I've, uh, a newborn baby cannot live outside the womb either on its own. That Can't live on its own. No. It, it has to have lots of attention. <laughs> lots of attention. Yeah. For months. Yeah. Years. Yeah. Uh, Years isn't an Anthony. Uh, yeah, Jacob. Jacob's fifteen and counting. <laughs> and they wouldn't live long at fifteen without you, would they? Either? No, probably not. The house would be burned. Kill themselves. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, Randy in Michigan says uh, she she should be told that what she's hosting is another human being, and the child that is in her is not part of her body. It's a separate living being. Why take its life? All right. Um, and uh, okay, that's uh, and then Ramona says, "Well, oh, she's, she, she's she skipped that one." Okay, and who else we got? We, I don't think we got any other answers on that. Okay. All right, all now, right. So, biblical. But you know, just just to summarize, from from just a non-religious perspective, all the statistics that we've mentioned and all of the sort of horrible consequences that women report, you know, uh, that we listed earlier, those are not those are not spiritual consequences; those are real life consequences. Right. Much higher uh, potential for clinical depression, uh, much higher potential for suicide. Uh, you know, th- there's just a lot of downside from a this world only perspective. There's a lot of downside 
to abortion. All right. We need to get down to the Bible, what the Bible teaches about, because, you know, some of these these responses could uh, be in error if we're not in line with the, what the Bible says. So let's oh, wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on just a minute. Uh uh, before before we go to that, I, I, I keep forgetting to go back to uh, Patrick's that I didn't get printed off. He said, from a non-religious perspective, I would emphasize that the baby inside her is an individual human being which has inherent rights no less than the mother. I would appeal to her compassion to give the baby a chance to have a life of its own, even if that means giving the baby up for adoption if she's unwilling or unable to care for it. All right. I think that's right. Good. Anthony, there's some yeah. discussion in the chat room. There is. I was going to make something that just kind of popped into my head, too. But as far as this idea that, well, the, the fetus or the, the child is, well, it's just an extension of my body, but it's not. It's got different genetic material. It's a completely, you know, unique right. human being. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. got a different. Their DNA is different. It's and, totally different. Yeah. So, um, so that doesn't really meet that criteria either. But, yeah, we were just talking in the chat room about um the the origin of the planned parenthood um organization which is you know goes decades back during a period maybe some people don't even realize that this it was called the eugenics movement which was the idea of sort of basically what uh, hitler took to its so, full so, uh, superior race right the idea of, well we need to weed out the inferior people we we want to purify the gene pool so we need to kill off the people who are you know who aren't worthy, and uh, that was that was what where Planned Parenthood all you know got its start. So. And uh, Patrick seems to agree with your take on history there. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean it's you can you can easily you know find this. Yeah. All right. Um, let's um, let's talk about the Bible now. I mean we've all of this is you know a person could say. A big so what if this is just your opinion, right. you know, a big so what. I right. don't agree with you. But if we could prove from the Bible that God condemns abortion as murder, then then anybody who's concerned about what God thinks has to has to pay attention to that. Here's the arguments I would make real quickly, Jacob. First of all, God demands reverence for human life. Yes. Uh, in Genesis chapter four. And, and I, th- I think these are the passages that we want to use. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, after the first murder was committed, Cain killed Abel. Uh, God asked Cain, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. There's the first murder. And God said there was an accountability associated with it. A clearer statement even than that is in chapter 9 of Genesis, right after the flood, God told Noah... Surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. At the hand of every man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Those are the verses that prove that God demands that we reverence human life. Yes. Now, the question is... Well, is a baby in the womb really a human life? Should it be considered the same? In other words... I, I can't kill you. I'll go to jail if I kill you. Yes. But what if I kill a baby in the womb? Now, this is, is that different? This is the nail in the coffin here. I like this passage, and there's some people who quibble with it. I think it's just too clear to be mistaken. 
Go to Exodus 21. God's laying out the law of Moses. Now, we're, we've talked about the Old Testament law of Moses a lot. We know that it's not our law for living today. We live by the New Testament law of Jesus Christ. But we get a lot of information from the Old Testament law. And here we can see how God regards a life in the world. It's just a principle. It's, it's not a, prin- a law to, for us to live by today, but it's a principle. And the, the, the facts remain that God established the, prin- the law. It, it shows what he thinks right. about life. Okay. In, in Exodus 21, verse 12, here's the general rule. He that smiteth a man so that he die shall surely be put to death. Right, okay. Now, so if you, kill, if you kill a man, you're to be put to death. Okay, good. I understand that. All right. Now, go just later in that same chapter. Skip down to verse 22. Everybody needs to know this. Sec- I think this makes a strong argument. Okay, Everybody yeah. should know this text. It's Exodus 21. Go down to verse 22. Mm-hmm. If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, she shall sure, he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him and he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, burning for a foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now, there are some who try to quibble this passage, but there are, a lot, uh, there are a host of Hebrew scholars who agree that the right understanding of this as, is as it appears in the English. Two men are fighting, and a pregnant woman gets involved somehow in that melee. Maybe she's trying to intervene, stop it, or whatever. She's hurt, and it causes her to prematurely deliver her child. Right. Now, if there's... there if if there's no mischief, I'll notice if, if the woman and the child are okay, right? Uh, then still the man should be punished. Yes. But if there is some harm, then the man is to pay as he caused harm. Uh, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand. Life for life. If yeah. he caused the, the death of that unborn child, he, the penalty for that was the same as for killing a man back in verse 12. He that smiteth a man so they die shall surely be put to death. So here we see, I think, a clear connection that proves that God regards the life of a child in the womb as a human life. And punishment for taking that life was the same as the punishment for taking any human Exodus life. Exodus 21, 22 through 24 is the reference there, and that certainly is a convincing argument. Let me give you an argument from the New Testament. This is a fairly common one, too, but I like it. I think it proves a point. Okay. In Luke. Luke. By the way, we have to stop to comment that Luke was a physician. Yes, he was. Uh, and this is what he wrote by inspiration. In Luke chapter 1, verse 44, uh, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Yes. Mary has just learned that she is expecting the child Jesus, and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. Correct. Yes, yes. Two women that are pregnant. Two women. Uh, Elizabeth is about six months farther along than Mary. Yes. So when uh, Mary goes to see her, and Elizabeth says, this is Luke 144, for lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Yes. So Elizabeth says, the babe leaped in my womb. The word there for babe in the Greek is brephos. Yes. Uh, spelled with English characters, B-R-E-P-H-O-S, brephos. Yes. yes. All right, skip over to chapter 2, verse 16. In chapter 2, verse 16, you remember the shepherds came 
the shepherds, the, the birth of Jesus was announced to the shepherds in the field and they mm-hmm. came, uh, it says verse 16, Luke 2, 16, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Same word, babe, brephos in the yeah. Greek. Yeah. So the baby in the womb was described in exact with exactly the same word as the baby who had already been born. Now, it is interesting that Luke was a physician, but it doesn't really matter because God used the same word okay. to describe the two. He used the same word to describe John in the womb as he described Jesus out of the womb. Yeah. There's your there's it's inspiration. Your right. Yeah. By inspiration, the same word was used to identify. Now, God could have used the word flesh. God could have used the word product of conception. He could have used the word fetus. He used the word that you would use for a baby out of the womb uh, because the two are equal. Yeah. Uh, uh, a Timothy uh, in the chat room says, we lost our third child, Jonathan, 27 days after birth. He was one pound, 13 ounces. How can anyone say that a child is not alive at 25 weeks? I assume that the baby was born but prematurely, prematurely and weeks. died. Yes, yes that's Thank sad. Sorry, We're sorry to hear sorry that. about that, but certainly is convincing. Yeah, I think and, and anybody who's been through the experience that Timothy's been through would agree. Right. That's yes. a human life. It is. No doubt. Thank you, Timothy, for sharing that. All right. Um, let's go to some answers from our listeners, Jacob. Uh uh, well, Chris uh, in Atlanta says very simply, God condemns murder. Amen true. to that. That's true. Uh, uh, and uh, Ramona. Oh, see, nope, I got uh, Randy. Randy, this is Randy. Uh, he says uh, read, he, he quotes Proverbs six sixteen through seventeen, uh, the six things that the Lord hates, and one of them is hands that shed innocent blood. Could there be a more fit description of abortion than? Hands that shed innocent blood. And he also recites Romans 13, verses 8 through 10, which uh, condemns several things. And he has highlighted those that would pertain to the act of abortion. First off, God condemns adultery, which is the precursor to many abortions. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. uh, You shall not covet. uh, And he says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All right, good. We're going to have to hurry, Jacob. Let's go on. Uh, Oh, we're past a break. uh, Ramona says from the Bible... The accounts of creation of man and woman in Genesis tell us that God created man in his image and the divine image he created he him, male and female created he them, Genesis 1.27. The prophet Amos condemns the Ammonites because they ripped open expectant women in Gilead, Amos 1.13. God knows the preborn child, you knit me in my mother's womb, nor was my frame unknown to you when I was made in secret, Psalm 139, verses 13 and 15. God also helps and calls the preborn children. You have been my guide since I was first formed from my mother's womb. You are my God, Psalm 22, 10, 11. God from my mother's womb had set me apart and called me through his grace, Galatians 1, verse 15. All right. Now, uh, should we take a break or should we keep on rolling? We better keep rolling. Okay, let's, we're let's rolling. Roll we're through. skipping it tonight. Uh, we'll go on. Number five. Well, uh, hang on just a minute. Uh, let me give you Patrick's answer from the Bible, argument from the Bible. Every human being has three parents, father, mother, and God. The baby is not solely the property of its human parents to dispose of or abuse in whatever way they wish. Human parents have been entrusted with a stewardship to care for this child as representatives of God. This baby is a unique human being made in the image and likeness of God. The baby is innocent, and the murder of an innocent person is truly a heinous evil. It is better to submit oneself to death than to shed innocent blood. All right. And uh, in the chat room, Patrick says there's a great deal of scientific evidence backing the humanity of the baby. Strangely enough, abortion proponents, who often are atheists, who condemn Christians as unscientific, usually try to steer the conversation away from science when it comes to abortion because the evidence is not in their favor. All right. And Wade says he's recently heard of uh, those who want to introduce legislation to make abortion legal even after the baby is delivered. Yeah. And I think they're... 
I did a quick search. Apparently, an MSNBC host uh, made that claim. Uh, uh, Wade, that, is that Wade uh, from Hampshire, Tennessee? Perhaps. He, he has sent in an email, uh, Bible argument, do no murder from Matthew 19. So uh, lots of good arguments from the Bible that would show that abortion is wrong. Two more questions, about eight minutes to go. So All right, real fast. quick. Is abortion justified in cases of incest or rape? Why or why not? Uh, what do what our Chris in Atlanta says? No, it is not. The circumstances surrounding the conception are horrific and unfair to the mother. However, there is still a life involved and the child is innocent. Unfortunately, life is not always fair and can sometimes be cruel. Yeah. Uh, you know, as we said earlier, a lot of there are a lot of Christians who waffle on this question. Yeah. They think if it's incest or rape uh, that maybe abortion would be justified. I, I just don't see how you could do that. Um Randy in Michigan says, no, no, the child that is to be born did not commit the incest or rape, but the young lady should be supported by those who love her and care for her. She did nothing wrong. I I love this report should go out to such women. He wishes that, it, that they be, would understand. It. Yeah, okay. Uh, and certainly it would be a terrible and horrific thing, but it would not justify uh, a further act of uh, of sin. Roman uh, Ramona says, uh, in, uh, the the unborn entity is not an aggressor. It is the rapist who is the aggressor. The unborn entity is just as much an innocent victim as its mother. Hence, abortion cannot be justified on the basis that the unborn is an aggressor. Homicide of another is never justified to relieve one of emotional distress. Yeah, it would be equivalent of me being mugged on the street one day and then going home and killing somebody. Yeah. Wade uh, has sent an email. He says, what it what is done to the mother has no effect on the child. It can still be born. The mother may want to give up the child because of the psychological reasoning. The Bible doesn't differentiate in reasons of murder. Uh, and let me go back. Let me go back uh, to Patrick's answer there. He says, no, quite simply, a baby conceived in rape is as much a victim of the rape as the mother. The rapist has committed an evil act. The innocent baby should not be killed on account of what the rapist did. I must also include a plug for Conceived in rape from worthless to priceless, the Rebecca Kiesling story. I don't know that one. RebeccaKiesling.com. Uh, might, someone might want to check Tim, that out. Timothy in the chat room has sent you a picture of his four-month premature son holding his finger. Okay. Uh, right. So that certainly, we, I don't know if we can get that up on the screen in time, but uh, that certainly would be uh, uh, very uh Yeah, he sent it by email, too. Thank, That's you. A, Thank we, you. We, we agree with you, Tim. Uh, and... Um, uh, David says, no, there is no justification to commit one sin to cover another. Vengeance is the Lord's, Romans twelve nineteen, and therefore all we can do is make the best of the situation. I will, however, state that should a doctor tell me that I have to make an immediate choice, either my wife dies or the baby dies, with no possibility that both survive, I will always choose that my wife live. And so... Um, well, that's may, a, I, I, that would be that, a that tough choice to make. That may be, and, and a I, but different. here, Jacob, you've got, you've got a little baby at home. What if someone said, you got to die or the baby, who's going to die? Yeah. I mean, as a loving parent, you'd say, take my life. If, if, if I would die to save the life of my baby, right? right? right. Well, you know, I, I think those are, are, I think it's a pretty moot case these days because we've, we hear, uh, almost never hear of a woman dying in childbirth anymore, which was, it was more common, much more common in days gone by. We almost never hear that now. But let's say that the case was, was presented. To the mother, if you, if you're either you're going to have to die or your baby's going to have to die because the way it is, one or the other, he's not going to survive this. 
What loving mother would not want to say, save my baby? I mean, after the baby's born, wouldn't you say that? Okay. Um, well, yeah. But I, I do That's a hard those, choice. It is. But it gets, it's sort of the plane's going down, there's only one parachute kind of thing. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's one of the areas you'd have to leave that up to someone to make their decision. Okay. And I didn't realize this. Patrick says that they have legalized euthanizing children in Belgium. Did you know this, Anthony? I didn't know no, that. No, that's... Um, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's troubling. Okay. All right. Quickly, the last question. We're just about out of time. Are Christians doing enough to oppose abortion? What should Christians do in opposition to abortion? I'd like to jump on the soapbox first. Okay. One thing I think we definitely got to do is we've got to vote for political candidates who will oppose this horrible thing that's going on in our country. I can do that. You know, to me, one of the, one of the two questions, one of the two primary questions that I'm going to ask of any political candidate is where do they stand on abortion? Where do they stand on same-sex marriage? If they're wrong on either of those points, I'm not going to vote for them. Yeah. That's one thing I can do, and I think all Christians ought to commit themselves to that. Do not vote for a political candidate in any office that says that he's going to promote the cause of abortion in America. Don't vote. That's one thing we can do. we got to do that. Um, Chris agrees with that. I think we should always vote for pro-life candidates and right congressmen. Uh, he, he goes on. He says the best thing we can do actively is, is actively, fervently teach the gospel. Amen to that, Chris. That's that's the way we need. That's the primary way we need to address this situation. Arthur's on the phone. Arthur, welcome back. Uh, good to be back. I was just reading or thinking of the verse in uh, Jeremiah one in verse five. Mm-hmm. He said, "Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee, and by, before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation." Uh, all right, so there is uh, there is certainly existence prior to birth there. All right, he said, I knew you, I knew you before I ordained, I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee, before I did that, I and, knew you. And your reference there, Arthur, again? Uh, Jeremiah 1 and verse 5. Okay, right, thank you. Thank you, Arthur, good You're one. welcome, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, um, and uh, we have, you got Randy? Randy? Randy in Michigan says, what should Christians do in opposition to abortion? First of all, are we doing enough? No, there's always more that we can do. We can teach about the subject and pray to our Heavenly Father and go everywhere preaching Jesus. Uh, what what should we do? What more should we do? Teach all that will listen what abortion really is and that will, God will require that those who shed innocent blood will be punished with everlasting fire. All right. And uh, we have uh, Ramona. She says, no, we're not doing enough. She has a question. How should we treat people who have had abortions? Well, we ought to treat them with love, yep. um, but and, I think uh, also share with share the gospel to them. Uh, teach them the error of their way and and forgive them when they repent, as yeah. God commands. Tanner uh, in yeah. Arkansas says, Christians are not commanded to change the laws of the land, but to submit to them. I know of Christians who spend a great deal of effort in writing to authorities and obtaining signatures on petitions to try to change laws, but spend no effort trying to change hearts. Yeah. Abortion is the same as the liquor store. Do we try to shut down the liquor store with petitions and boycotts, or do we spend our time doing what Jesus commanded to teach the gospel? If we shut down the liquor store, we've solved zero problems because their customers will simply go elsewhere for their liquor. Wow. But if we teach the gospel, we solve the problem of sin each time one is brought to Christ. Uh-huh. This will eventually solve the problem of shutting down the liquor store. First wow. Timothy 1 verse 9 teaches that the, old, that the law of Christ was made for murderers and manslayers, uh, for example, abortionists. Changing abortion laws will not change the hearts of the abortionists, but the law of Christ will. I believe we need to be more like Christ in Mark 6, verse 34, who had compassion on a multitude and chose to stop what he wanted to do at the time to teach them many things. 
this is how we ought to be spending our efforts in opposition to abortion and all of the sins. That's well interesting. Put. Well said. Thank you, Tanner. And uh, David has similar uh, remarks here. He says, for the study you had on separation of church and state, I made the comment that as Christians we should keep from actively pursuing certain public policies. I maintain this stance. Our charge as Christians is to spread the gospel, Mark 16, 15, practice religion that is pure and undefiled and do everything to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. We are to pray for quiet, peaceful, dignified lives, First Timothy 2, 1 and 2, so we can carry out our work without hindrance. Although we should always vote our conscience, inciting societal change by actively pursuing specific public, public policies is not part of our duties as Christians. I would go as far as to say that active pursuit can, in fact, hinder our ability to bring the gospel to others. Consider a protester picketing Planned Parenthood centers. Do you think that they are in a position to bring the gospel to the poor souls entering that facility then or even later on down the road? I'm not stating that we should keep from speaking out against sin. However, it is vitally important that we choose appropriate manners by which we can speak out against sin with the specific intent of bringing salvation to the law. Simply calling a woman who chooses to abort their child a sinner does nothing to help her soul's condition. It is important to identify issues that are affected by the current mores and standards of society. What was considered criminal 30 years ago may be widely accepted today. Consider the fact that homosexuality was a crime in England in the 1940s. Should we push to make homosexuality a crime today? How is making it a crime bring, uh, bringing those that choose that lifestyle to Christ? The same should be considered with abortion. It is a sin. There's no doubt about that. However, a large portion of society does not feel it is. And so pushing to make a crime in a contentious manner keeps us from our real work and distracts from the purpose of our calling. Instead, we should seek to stamp it out by, on an individual level, first by being examples we are called to be, secondly, by influencing others to do the same. Having a law against it does nothing if society at large deems it acceptable. I, I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, I, I understand and I agree with the, with the concept. We need to be teaching people to have a heart that's touched by Jesus yeah. and that wants to live in harmony with God's will. I don't tell, what if they? What if we found a place where they were taking three-year-olds and and executing them? Yeah. Do you not think we would picket, protest, and, and be up in arms about uh, such a horrific thing? Yeah. I don't think we say, well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pray for the guys who are doing it, and maybe if I get a chance to teach them the gospel, I'll, I'll teach them the gospel too. Yeah, we would do that, but I think we would be vocally and and aggressively demonstrating in opposition to that. I don't. I'm I'm like uh, Patrick in in uh, uh, Pat Birmingham who says no. Granted, Christians do more as a group than any other group, but still, too many Christians are either apath- uh, uh, are apathetic. Indeed, I am ashamed of. If I'm ashamed of anything myself, it is that I have done so little, and I, I would have to agree with that, that I, I just don't think I've done enough. I think, yes, let's teach people the truth, but uh, I think we also got to be active in You're protesting this. You're saying a dual approach, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a judgment call, but that's, that's a judgment but call. But what's your primary? What's your primary? Well, I think primarily we, stand, we, we teach and preach God's truth. That's yeah. what we've tried to do on the program tonight. Yeah. But I'm, I'm saying... I think there are other measures that we can take, too. All right. Well, it's been a good discussion. Uh, I wanted to bring up, uh, we had a program uh, a while back, and uh, let me find it here. We talked about abortion, but we talked about it from a different uh, different angle. Yeah, it's February 5th, 2009, two types of abortion. We talked about spiritual abortion on that, what we're doing to our children. Oh, yeah. Remember right. that? Yeah, you got yeah, yeah. to look that up. If you haven't listened to that program, February 5th, 2009, two types of abortion. All, All right. right. Great, we're out of time. We're fast, fast time. Discussion. Anthony, we didn't talk to you much tonight. Oh, that's it's been okay. a fast hour. 
That's all right. We had some good listener participation, so I'm thankful for that. Anything in the chat room we need to bring up? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, some definitely some good conversation. Appreciate everybody's participation, but uh, but yeah, good good study. All right. Appreciate right. everyone for being in the chat room and all of our listeners tonight. Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. And we appreciate you for listening. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.